This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to Out to Lunch. It's the podcast where I get to chat to some marvellous guests and share some great food with them. This series, we've been doing this virtually, of course, with myself and my guests sat in our homes eating takeaways. Chatting with me this week and guiding me through his own cooking, didn't make any sense to get someone else to do the cooking, it's chef and broadcaster Tom Kerridge. We've been together ever since, actually. Her her first sentence to me was, give me uh, £3 for the stripper. So, Tom, fabulous to see you. You too, Chief. So, normally, uh, on these In for Lunches, the whole idea has been that I invite a fabulous person, you're the fabulous person, to have lunch with me, and then uh, the doorbell goes and a takeaway turns up at their door. But then I thought, sod it, it's Tom Kerridge. Why should I be sending him a takeaway when I can get him (laughs) to actually send send me lunch? So, a delivery drive, marvellous guy, turned up yesterday with a big plastic box containing many, many containers. And you're actually, am I right in the butcher's tap, you're, you're making some of these dishes available? That's exactly it. Yeah, these are ready meals. They're kind of ready meals, aren't they? They're, they're ready with a little bit of extra work. Yeah, they're kind of ready and then you construct them just a little bit at home. We may, we, we may yeah. depend on how busy the guys are, but we may kind of like put it all together so the beef bourguignon and the mash could be all in one thing. However, we've done this so it could be for two and it goes out and it's kind of like, um, yeah, so it, 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 everything's cooked. You've just got to heat it up or plate it up as you like your starter. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I have to. I'm, I'm going to get straight into the food here, and we'll step back for a second. But so what, the, the start is that was Isle of Wight tomato and feta salad with wild garlic pesto. Um, the ingredient elements. I'm just you know sit back. And I'm going to read you a book. Uh, selection of Isle of Wight tomatoes, <laughs> diced barrel aged feta, wild garlic pesto, pickled shallot rings, Brunoise shallot, chives, wild garlic leaves and flowers, tomato reduction, red onion petals, crispy shallot crumb. Who could not love words like that? Crispy shallot crumb. And it looks amazing. Um, is it all right? Yeah, I, Do I, you know, would you let it off the pass? Uh, Probably not. 100%. I tell you what, it, it, you know, it, it, when we come out this the other side, if journalism has completely died and, and also, and restaurants are just absolutely packed and we, you know, when we need loads and loads of chefs, then Jay, you've got a job. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're going to eat along with me, aren't you? Have you got? I am. As well? I've got my version here. There we are. Let, there we are. Now you you haven't chopped the leaves. No, you've, I've you've just put them the, on the wild garlic leaves. No, I didn't chop them. I just I just whacked them straight on. 
I blagged it. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you haven't followed the the, ingre- the instructions for this disc. The, the recipe says, and I repeat here, Mr. Kerridge, finely slice the wild garlic leaves and scatter around the tomatoes. Well, you've just thrown the fuckers on. Yeah, I just thrown them on. I, yeah, that's because I I, <laughs> I, 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 got, I work to the beat of my own drum, Jay. I just do whatever I like. I, rule, yeah, uh, rules are there to be broken. <laughs> They are. They are. Um, first thing has to be said because people wonder. I've never reviewed any of your restaurants. No. This may be either really annoying to you, or or actually a relief. I don't know. I'm sure I, I love your food, so it'll all have been fine. Um, and we actually ended up meeting through various other routes. Yeah. And actually, I think it has to be said. I've now worked for you officially. <laughs> yeah. In theory. Nah, um, I'm not sure worked well, for me. We worked together on a gig that you were employed uh, as one of the entertainers. It's Tom Kerridge's pub in the park, and we were the opening act on two Sundays. Yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by you because there's one persona of you, which is, and, and don't take this the wrong way, but the good lad from Gloucester. Yeah. Grew up on the estates. Yeah. But there's another version of you, um, which is the one who was a child actor on... <laughs> episodes of Miss Marple with the great Joan Hickson. Um, and I, although I have absolutely no doubt that ending up doing a bit of youth drama took you by surprise, mm. I wonder whether you actually were absolutely made for the role that you now have, both in public life and in cookery and at public profiles. So take us back yeah. to your childhood and explain what your background is to anybody who doesn't know. And I'm going to eat some tomato salad. So, it's a, I mean, it was a single-parent family. I grew up, my mum and dad split up when I was 11, but my dad was also quite ill. He had, uh, he had MS. But it was... you're right I went to an all boys comprehensive school in the middle of kind of like four estates where there were a load of lads that were like the idea you just messed about I did actually I loved school I loved the social aspect of being there I I liked the the kids that I hung out with the the naughty boys the whatever you did once say that you you weren't the naughtiest boy at your school Mm. because that was a seriously high bar to hit I tell you what the naughtiest boys at my school I mean there's naughty boys and then there's like naughty boys you know it's kind of like and what I wasn't I wasn't the naughtiest boy, but I, I quite enjoyed being in the company of those sort of guys that had and I don't mean there, there's a level between disrespect or doing what you want to do. You know, that, that finding that balance between being actually not necessarily agreeing with a teacher and, and I've taken it forward into adult life of people who are in a position of so-called power you haven't always got to agree with them and it doesn't matter if you're 12 years old or 32 years old or 52 years old it, it, that person that is necessarily in power you haven't got to that you can have your own opinion and that's I've always been quite comfortable in my own skin, happy talking to people irrespective of who they are and where they're from and whether they're whether I've met royalty or whether it's hanging out with one of the builders that are doing some work in uh, one of the pubs with a cup of tea. Like, I'm always very... I've always been quite comfortable. Where do you think that came from? You, you talked about your mum being... The, yeah, definitely. And your yeah, house being a refuge for people when everything was going wrong. They'd turn up at your house and your mum would look, look after them. Yeah, hugely. Definitely my mum. My mum's always... She's never been... She's never judgmental on people, of, of people's characters or backgrounds or where they were. And, you know, when we were at school, she she did... Um, she did... She had two jobs. She worked really hard. We were we were latchkey kids, so the cooking was me doing fish finger sandwiches and bits and bobs like that. So it was kind of like, you know, Sunday Sunday lunches, Sunday mornings where I'd go to rugby training and play a bit of rugby and then come back to home on a Sunday lunch. But I'd probably bring two or three of the other kids 
kids with us because they weren't going back to their homes or didn't like my mum always it was always an open door policy for whoever wanted to come round and just be there and have something to eat and hang out. It's a tiny, small little house that we lived in, but it was always open to any waifs and strays. So you, you, you leave school with a a fine round number of GCSEs. Yeah, yeah, um, you know. And, we're talking, and DOS are four. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was four. I wasn't stupid. I, I think I, I could have done quite well with my GCSE. Actually, my 11 plus, it's funny because my, my niece um, has just passed her 11 plus and is starting senior school September and whatever. And she's got into a grammar school. And when I was talking about it with my mum, my mum said, um, oh, yeah, you passed your 11 plus. You could have gone to grammar school. And, and I was like, no, really? I was like, I could have gone to one of the grammar schools in Gloucester. She went, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'd have never have coped. It was, like, <laughs> 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 oh, thanks, mum. And it, it's because in the education system, sitting down and reading and learning, back when I was 11, 12 years old, was very different to now. I'm much more of a vocational kind of guy. I want to do things and be a part of something, something practical, and it'd be something with using my voice and something of being able to be around people. And that I kind of fell into, you mentioned the, the acting thing. There was a, a youth theatre in Cheltenham and me and my mate were dossing about, not quite sure what to do. And my mum took us to this youth theatre and, and it was great. I loved it. It was really good fun, talking. It, it helps to bring confidence in people. You know, we I played a lot of sport when I was a kid, so teamwork was massive. And then being in, in, in a situation like that where you where it breeds, if you're confident anyway, it breeds more confidence of talking to people. I think it's good. Any activity like that for kids, I think, is is amazing. Um, before we, we talk about Joan Hicks, I've got to talk a, a quick food question. So uh, your instructions, I've got, I've got, I think it's an ox cheek yeah. bourguignon coming up with mustard mash. Um, did mention a, a microwave, and um, <laughs> yeah. you now know I haven't got one. Uh, so the oven's been on at a nice hot 200. <laughs> Um, what's brilliant is when it came out of the plastic pot, there is so much glorious gelatin in that jus that you don't know whether to cook it yeah. or play squash with it. It's It's got that brilliant rubbery thing going on. Um, so what I'm going to do is a, is a slight break on in for lunch because I'm actually literally cooking my lunch. Well, you've cooked it. And You're I'm just, just reheating, reheating it. I'm, I'm, I'm actually loving this tomato salad. Yeah. Um, and, and actually one of the things that has to be said... Both of us tend to follow a, a, a diet quite low in carbs. Most of the most time, of the yeah. Time. However, what's coming up next, and, and pudding, <laughs> definitely is not low carb. <laughs> okay, back. Right, we'll both have to return to uh, plate this up in about seven minutes. Um, yes. So <laughs> while we wait for our ox cheek bourguignon... Um, so you, you you end up going to theatre, and, and then what? They said there's some auditions for some TV stuff, and you went along. Yeah, kind of. Uh, there was an agent came to see one of the girls in a show, and and then to sign her up and whatever else. And I was there, and they asked if I'd like to be on their books, and I was kind of like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, all right. I mean, I've spent most of my life saying, yeah, that sounds like it's good fun. I mean, I have a go at everything. I just go, yeah, let's do that, let's do that. So I said, yeah, and then about two and a half weeks after that, I was auditioning for a Christmas special of Miss Marple and I ended up getting it. And it was just like, it was, it was kind of quite bizarre, but it was good. I mean, it was good fun. Like, and it was, it, it was, it's an odd world, the world of entertainment, you know, Jay, you're, you're in it as a musician and it's quite, um, it, it's, it's a, it wasn't really my thing, but I didn't. So you didn't think about going to drama school or anything like that? No, I, I, I thought about it for a, a, a month or two thinking, oh, maybe this is where I want to go, but it wasn't, 
all the other stuff around it, it, it started dawning on me that acting, your job is pretending to be somebody else. And I found that quite, I'm very comfortable just going, I, I try really hard to just be me all the time. You know, it, it, all those decisions. I know you mentioned earlier that there's kind of like two Toms, there's that guy and the TV guy. And the, but I try to be that complete person. All right, that maybe the person that pushed the hand of flowers to two mission stars is, isn't always the guy that you see on television because there is pressures of being that cook, that mm. chef. That isn't a persona. It is still just an a level of me. So I found acting quite... Um, oh, is that your microwave? Did you hear uh, that? Beeping. The microwave I beeping, did. yeah. So I, I, find the, um, I found the idea of acting quite odd to me. All right, just briefly, what was Joan Hickson like? Really, really lovely. Amazing. Just like you would imagine, like, just like Miss Marple, incredibly polite, <laughs> really lovely, you know, kind of... A little bit like Mary Berry. When you meet Mary Berry, you know, you know, you've met Mary. She's she is she's amazing, isn't she? She's exactly the same sort of person on the TV. She's exactly the same sort of person you'd think she'd be. Like incredibly well, you know, just just a, a lovely person. Now you you've said that the first I may get this wrong, but the first kitchen you walked into was the kitchen at Colcott Manor. Mm, yeah, it was. Hotel. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, because I've been there, I've stayed there, I've actually reviewed it. I think after your time, um, it's it's a big place. In what role did you enter the kitchens there? I I entered there as a like a kind of like a commie chef, um, a, a pot wash, like general dog's body kind of like get in there. And I mean, it's a real baptism of fire walking into kitchens if you don't really understand them. And you walk in there, and you you're in early in the morning, and they're they're active because there's especially in a hotel there's breakfast and there's things that's going on and things that's happening. And it's very late night and there's an energy and then there's a, a, a kind of a, a, a fear and an adrenaline and a, you know, it, it, there's all these... I've, I've talked to a lot, of, a lot of chefs over the years and many of them have said, and I looked into that room and I saw a place in which I could belong. Yeah, it's exactly... Was that you? Really, really it. And all of it, because it's... It's different to any other thing. Like anybody else that you were at school with talk about the jobs that they go to, whether it's on a building site or whether it's, uh, you know, working in an office or whether it's a... Kitchens are like nothing else. And you walk in there and you go, wow. Like you either really fall in love with it or you run away terrified because they're, they're, kind of, they're, they're industrial spaces. They're big bits of metal equipment and things that are hot and sharp. And um, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant place to be. And, and, and the excitement and the buzz and the slightly left field way of life that you have to have when you walk into the hospitality industry, you know. Oh, your, your microwave keeps it, going it keep, off. It um, keeps going off because I haven't opened the door. Should I go and open the door so it stops doing that? I'll tell you what, we're, we're going to take another five-minute break because I've got a plate mine because I've got some asparagus. I've got to knock through the oven for about a minute. All right. Um, I'll see you with a plate of main course. Perfect. We'll see you in a minute. So talk me through this main course that you've sent my way. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of... Like, I, you know, started cooking in... Um, 1991 so you know all through the 90s that that kind of cooking era and being a chef was very much based in french classical cookery you understood stocks and sauces and rich flavors and that northern european solid 
food. You know, we, we haven't got into that lighter, you know, there's a lot of lighter touches now, um, you know, Japanese and Asian influence. Were you sent out anywhere to do day release cookery classes? Did you go anywhere and actually have lessons or was it all taught in the kitchen? I went to college and whilst I was at college, I also worked pretty much full time. So I would do four or five days a week at college and then I'd leave college but, but at 2.30, 3 o'clock and then I would go straight to the kitchens and then work the evenings there. Colleges are quite, it's very difficult for catering colleges because they have to touch so many bases. They have to teach people how to cook in hospitals and schools and, and, and stadiums and, you know, just all sorts, just general level of cookery, you know, whereas then you can specialise it and you go, you will learn much more about being a chef in a Michelin star restaurant by being in a Michelin star restaurant. And it's always been kind of like that French basis of cooking that I, in my early years of learning to cook. And that stayed with me ever since. I haven't, I kind of also recognise that the things that I'm good at, I'll stick with them. I Take yourself out of the comfort zone in certain layers and levels. But, you know, I'm very comfortable being from, you know, the UK, British food, British producers, suppliers, farmers. We've got four defined seasons that happen that change our food cycle, every, you know, four times a year. You can, you can constantly learn, but I like that zone of being in that style of cookery. So, so for me, you know, braised, a braised dish, like ox cheek that you've got here, bourguignon. Now, ox cheek is great, brilliant for flavour. It's all meat. There's very little in the way of sinew or anything like that. Is it all fat? How long has it been braised at your end for before it came anywhere near It you? comes into you about five hours. If you have a look at your phone, I've sent you a picture of uh, of my plate. Yes, that is it. I mean, if you got that in your local pub just round the corner from you, you'd be well happy, wouldn't you? Oh, I'd be laughing. Yeah, you'd be really happy. Yeah, so there's mustard mash. There's a, a beef fat crumb, which is kind of like the beefy version of port scratchings ground down. <laughs> yeah. Um... There's some asparagus, Y Valley asparagus, with a Café de Paris butter, yes. which is a lot of fresh green herbs and garlic, isn't it? Like, uh, is, yeah, is and a little bit of curry garlic? powder in it as well. Um, obviously, you go into kitchen, you start cooking, you see food. When was the first time you sat on the other side of the kitchen door and had a restaurant meal that made you sit up and think, this is what it should be? Uh, being in the West Country, um, the most good restaurants were in... Um, country house hotels rather than just straight restaurants so you wouldn't really we didn't really spend that much time but i left calcutt manor and i went to a small little restaurant called the country elephant which was a tiny little place in painswick um, and it was myself and one of the owner in the kitchen and uh one person front of house and it had 18 to 20 seats and you know on a saturday it'd be really busy and the rest of the week it'd just bumble along but it was always really lovely produce and i remember sitting in there and eating there one one night with my girlfriend at the time and just thinking how lovely what a really lovely experience eating out properly was rather than before you know my mum would take us for pizza or we'd go to a um a harvester or you know, not harvesters they went around then bernie inns bernie inns they were great bernie Inn, yeah and, and beef eaters you know and that that was going out and I, I still enjoy don't get me wrong i still enjoy those places i still love going with my mum to a beef eater and having a you know a, a you know a cheap steak and a catch-up after a rugby match you know i love restaurants it doesn't matter i'm not snobbish about them at all in fact uh, you know a beef eater sometimes to me is, is better than a three-star place just because of just how you can sit comfortably and have, make noise and enjoy yourself and just be which is everything that restaurants should be they should be places that are fun
We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I had an experience once with somebody who wanted to, um, like, role-play, uh-huh. like, um, like, with relative stuff. No. Yes. No. That's a and hard I couldn't. Pass. And I said, I said, um, they no. wanted, they first said, da- like, dad, daddy, you know, oh, and, and I said, um. Well, that's not so bad. But, um, so I suggested maybe, like, I said, maybe the most I could do is uncle. <laughs> Okay, so that was just a snippet of an episode with actor and podcaster Justin Long. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and I'm telling you, you need to listen to the full episode on my podcast, Dinner's on Me. Over a meal at Pine and Crane in downtown LA, we get into his love story with Kate Bosworth, his career, and so much more. To listen, just search Dinner's on Me wherever you listen to podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is George Ezra and earlier this year I started a brand new podcast called Phone a Friend with one of my closest friends, Mr. Ollie MN. Ollie. Yeah, don't like the one of bit, but uh, <laughs> every week George and I have a conversation about our weeks, what's going on in our lives, and the kind of main focus is checking in on each other's mental health. And we share stories, tips, advice, listener emails, and I swear to you, it's fun. I swear on my life. <laughs> it is. Well, we find it fun. We believe you might as well. So please search for Phone a Friend wherever you listen to your podcast. See you soon. Bye. We have to talk about that. I mean, obviously, you get to a point, 2005, you open the Hand and Flowers, your own pub in Marlow. Yeah. But you weren't just cooking, you were living a life. You were nose down in literally everything. You've made it very clear that you have, probably still have, ridiculous stamina. You described yourself as the last man standing. Were you aware, because this involved lots of things, food, booze, you name it, you were into it. Were you aware at the time that this was who you were? Were you actually proud of of that? Was it a, a vital part of you? I like living a life and I like being quite full and I like entering something and then you do it 100% and just do it and just go for it because there's no point in half having a go at something because it's never going to succeed. So you have to enter into a world completely. And I love being so immersed in something that it is, it takes over everything that you do. Running a business and being that chef and trying to be better at everything every single day became and is still like hugely powerful. To be a very good cook, you have to immerse yourself into a huge amount of hours because it's the nature of the business and that's it. But you have to enjoy it. You've said you wouldn't have got to two stars at the Hand and Flowers, even though it took you by surprise when it happened, if you hadn't been that person who could pull 18-hour shifts and then push Yeah, on. no, exactly. No, you could, I could not have been running your own space. And, to, and, and also, alcohol was a big part of my life. And, you know, I mean, it still is in a lot of ways. Like, I've not drunk for seven years, but it is... It is a huge part because I don't let it in, but and I don't regret um, being it, it being such a huge part of my life at all. 
because without it, I wouldn't have been able to get, I needed that release. If you're working that many hours with the pressures of the business and the pressures of driving food that you want to get to a level and a standard and you're in, in a space that you're trying to create for customers to enjoy, it's, it goes beyond cooking. It's so immersed in this world that it becomes completely, um, I mean, it is everything. It overtakes your life. Let's just be clear on this. You could do a pint of Negroni yeah. Yeah. before kicking off on, on 10, 12 pints of yeah. beer. <laughs> yeah. You, I'm telling the story again. It was in Desert Island, so I don't want to sound like I've done this from my no. research. Driving around with a with a crate of beer and a bottle of vodka or something in the in the boot of the car in case the bar wasn't open wherever you were cooking so that you you had a sauce. Yes. You kicked all of that, and that also coincided with you, or perhaps responsible, because God knows there's a lot of carbs in yeah. booze, with you shifting enormous amounts of weight. You talk about dependency. You talk about the fact that you can't go, you can't just have a yeah. drink. You don't understand right. that. There's there's one word you never use, ever. I'm not going to use it now, because it's your, it's your prerogative, but the yeah. A word. You've never used that word. Is there a reason to avoid it, or...? Is it so? Is it almost like admitting something? Or what? no? Because I had to admit it. I have to admit that I have a problem with alcohol. Does that make you an alcoholic? Oh, that's the f- literally the first time I've ever heard you say that yeah, word. But it's it, it's quite it's it's a it's a it's a weird. I have a huge issue with it, right? And I have a huge. Um, it encompasses me, but I think I have an issue with so many things. So if it wasn't alcohol. It could have been drugs or it could have been, is it now, is it going to the gym or is it the workload that I put on myself? I have an issue with consumption, like I have to be. Right. So I have, does that make, I think alcohol was the byproduct of that issue. So it could have been so many other things. So you did, uh, what do they say, addictive personality? Yes. And it's, yeah, I would, it's whatever's knocking around. Okay, so I would say, yeah, I, I get easily addicted to things that uh, obsessive things that aren't necessarily good for you does that make you at that point it would have been alcohol so that makes it it makes you an alcoholic i, I think being in the gym every day is fine yeah but it still um, is that obsessive release of something i i have to find that time i don't have to get up at half five and go to the gym but i do i did, I did. but you choose yeah, to do yeah, so. yeah because it becomes this obsessive thing and don't get me wrong i'm not super fit and i'm not i'm not good at the gym i just have to feel that i'm doing something um your your other half you met when you were 25 yeah i was 25 so my i I moved into london and i was living with uh my best mate and uh and and a couple of other guys and my my best mate's brother and we all lived together and he was working as a he was a um a technician for sir anthony caro who's a an incredible sculptor no longer with us and Beth was also a technician for him she left the Royal College of Art and went to work with him as a MIG and TIG welder and bronze caster Um, and we it was his birthday and we went out one night and I met her that night and we've been together ever since actually her her first sentence to me was give me uh, three pounds for the stripper so it was like (laughs) so she'd organized a stripper for Tim whose birthday it was and uh 
you know, that was her first sentence. Like straight away, if if a girl comes out to you, if you're 25 years old and a girl comes out to you with a pint of cider and says, give me three pounds for the stripper, you're like, who is this girl? This is She's great. <laughs> and, yeah. and let's put it, so we've been together since. Yeah, let's put it in context. Beth Cullen, Cullen Kerridge is uh, now a world-renowned artist in her own right. She's had massive public works in, <laughs> yeah. in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates and um, yeah, very, very yeah. serious. The, the front of the Dubai Opera House is, the, is a, I suppose, her biggest piece so far. And it won the World Award for Sculpture uh, two years ago, which was amazing, yeah. Um, Beth took three years out from her career to help you launch The Hand and Flowers. Yep. The marriage, the relationship survived. <laughs> yeah, <clearly>. just. <laughs> you were caning it at that point. Did Beth ever try to intervene? No, but I mean to be fair, Beth was quite good at drinking as well. Like she, you know, she, 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 she's an she's an artist from the north. She was she likes drinking. You know, she enjoyed it. All right. Um. So she, we we had a really brilliant um late twenties all the way through our thirties, enjoying ourselves, party time, having fun. I mean, we you know getting on with stuff, really living life to the max and the full. I just self-recognised that I needed to change it. it. You know, I was approaching 40 and I just thought, I just, it's just not right. I need to do something else. The interesting thing is, if, if from viewed from the outside, and this is what I thought had happened, that was when you got your first TV series on BBC Two. Was that the proper pub food one? Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. And um, as one big man to another, you were vast at that point. And yeah. it kind of looked as if, uh, public profile had called, you'd seen it and thought, fuck, I can't carry on doing this looking like this. Because by the second series, half of it had gone. I mean, um, yeah. Was it to do with suddenly stepping out in public or was it really to do with a, a directed life change? Or were the two things just I, coming together at once at the same time? I'm uncomfortable with being recognised. Like, oh, I, you're buggered, I, mate. Some people love it. Some, it's, I know. Some people crave fame. It's all that they want. And I find it really weird. I, I Like, I find it... I'm not comfortable walking around Sainsbury's putting things in my trolley just in case people are making judgments because they know who I am. I, 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 oh God! I, I, know, I mean, you, you know it, don't you? I mean, you know, like it's, it's, it's just one of those things that I, I'm not really comfortable. I've always comfortable in my skin in terms of being a professional for what I do. Like I'm recognised for cooking, and that's great, and 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 running pubs and being that person, being a guy on TV. I, I, I enjoy making television. I think making TV is really cool. And it's got quite good synergies. It sits alongside the catering business quite well because you start at the bottom as a runner, like a commie chef, and you don't earn very much money and you do all the rubbishy jobs. And as you grow and you get better, then you might move into directing. Or well, I mean, the, the funny thing is, though, you entered it, and I, I had the same experience at a very lofty level because you were, and I hate this word, absolutely hate this word, you were the talent. Yeah. Um and actually, you have to learn how TV works while learning to do something else, yeah. which is be yourself. Yeah. Um, do you know what I must do? I must quickly. I'm calling downstairs to my other half, and she's going to put my uh, dessert in the oven, if that's all right. Well, let me. Uh, no, I'll um, go and ping mine then. I'll go and stick mine in the microwave. I am back. Uh, a plate of sticky toffee pudding. Oh, yeah. Can you see? Yeah, have you got ice cream in that as well? Yeah, you sent me ice cream. I haven't got ice cream. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna relax on the ice cream. I'm just gonna have the sticky toffee pudding. Where does Where does your sticky toffee pudding recipe come from? There's probably an original one that started probably from Delia Smith. Oh my god! That then 
you move on from there, whether it's, you know, whether you aerate things or this one should feel quite light and fluffy. The TV stuff that you've done, the books, yeah. um, you, you commented once that actually you don't earn much dosh from TV. It's not the massively funded thing people <laughs> no. think it is. But books, if you sell enough of them, yeah. <laughs> that can be a really interesting proposition. And then you're really reaching out. You're no longer serving 100 people at lunchtime and 100 people in the evening. You're starting to cook or come up with ideas for literally millions of people. Was that a change in mindset for you? Yes. Yeah. And that's and that's where I'm very conscious when I write the books and do them, that they're very important, that they're recipes that I've put together, that I've overseen, that they have chef technique in them. Even if they're diet books or whatever, there are processes that lend it to being me, us. It's, it's really important. You're just not a face on something that it is people are buying into the reality of the heart and soul of what is that. Um, it's an extension of everything else. And again, it goes back to that thing of being, what person are you? Well, I, I try to be the same, per- the same person in the kitchen as the same person that writes the book, as the same person that has this conversation. I don't want to become a caricature, even though I know I am. I'm quite a large, bold, like loud, with a regional accent, and a chef. I'm almost a cartoon as it is. So it's kind of like, I mean, the other, the other, when my, when my little man, bless him, was about three years old, we were walking past um, the London Eye. And as we walk past the London Eye, there's the museums and the bits and the dungeon and that on the, on, on next to it. Yeah. And as we walk past, we go, oh, look, daddy, there's a donkey. And it's the donkey from, um, you'll know it in a minute. There's a donkey. Yeah. There's a dragon. And then look, daddy, there's you. That's you. It was Shrek. He pointed at Shrek. He did, indeed. Yeah. It's just like, okay, great. So that's brilliant. So, so at this point, when he was three, my three-year-old son thinks I'm a massive green giant. That's it. Like, it's great. I'm already a cartoon. Yeah, but we all love Shrek. We yeah, all we do all love Shrek. Shrek. I, that's... <laughs> I, I have to um, put on the record, uh, this is just going to sound like I'm blowing smoke, but you, um, two lamb shoulder recipes, the lamb shoulder and boulangerie potatoes yeah. with stock, which I think has become a classic recipe that everybody does. Yeah. And um, actually the one I love even more is the one roasted on fennel with the spicy crust. Yeah. Which then turns in a, a spicy relish. It's absolutely stonking. Yeah. Both of those recipes, which le- I've done multiple times. But that, they're quite... Um, I love cooking like that. It's almost lazy cookery, right? So it, you, put, you put a bit of effort and energy into getting the dish together... Like you could spend an hour putting things, slicing potatoes or onions and layering it with the thyme leaves and stock or or the rub on the crust and the and then and then all you've got to do is just fuck it in the oven and go away for five hours. It's brilliant. Um, one that I have to refer to this because a lot of listen, listeners to this podcast will know about it. Eddie Marsan, brilliant, brilliant actor. Um, I'm sure you know who I mean. Um, he, uh, when I interviewed him, told me his roast beef method was whack it in the oven for five minutes a pound at top heat. Get the oven up as high as it will go. Put it, put the, the, the rib beef in the oven for uh, five minutes per pound. And then when that's up, so let's say it's a four pound piece, you've got it 20 minutes, turn the oven off and walk away for two hours. And I mean, loads of people have tried this and said it's brilliant. I would love to know if you if you ever try it. Let me know if it works. Right then, that's what I'm going to do. Um, the, the other thing about you, um, by the way, that sticky toffee pudding was fabulous. Is you don't yeah. say no. So I've watched. You went from the hand and flowers 
getting its two Michelin stars. You went through every people going, well, it's not like Le Manoir and not really yeah. coping. Open two more pubs. You took on Corinthia, uh, the Corinthia Hotel, and opened uh, the carriages at, there in the centre of London. Big, big space, yeah. that, really big. Uh, you've gone into partnership with Gary Neville at the Stock Exchange Hotel, um, the yeah. Bull and Bear in Manchester. And then you've launched um, Lush, the uh, catering company, and then you've launched a yeah. massive food festival, big, uh, pub in the park. So so what is it? Is there is there any point when you think, do you know what? I've got enough on my plate, literally and figuratively. Or do you just yeah. love trying new things? No, I think now's about right. <laughs> <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think um, they've all got their own things that I love being a part of. And they're all very personal. So the three pubs in Marlow are very easy because Anna Flowers and the Coach is the two star and the one star. It's where I live. I love it very much. Um, it's home. It's great. It's a brilliant team. That's down to organic growth and then i suppose the stock exchange one it, it was is my wife's from up north so for little man to go and see grandma and granddad is a nice way to go up there and do it i'm a, a huge manchester united fan you know i said to beth when when we when gary neville first made the approach and we had a good conversation he's the owner of the hotel was, um, he's the owner of the hotel and he was actually the first guest through the door at Kerridge's Bar and Grill when we opened because he stays at Corinthia and then it was you know he came for lunch on the first day of opening and you go okay well this is yeah and and I said to I sat there and said to Beth that you know in 1999, when United won the treble, me and Beth got on a train from London, went up to Manchester to see the bus come down with the trophies. To think, you know, 20 years later, we're opening a, a restaurant with two of the guys. Ryan Giggs is also one of the owners. Um, would you like to open a restaurant in this space? You know, it would have been... I couldn't sit there and go, no, let's not do this. I mean, I didn't want to get to 70 years old and go, do you remember when Ryan Giggs and Gary Neville asked you to open a, a restaurant? We said no. Do you know I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? We've got to have a go. We've got, like, yeah, of course, let's have a go. Do you ever think back to the 16-year-old Tom, lad off the yeah. estates, leaving school with four GCSEs? Do you want to go back and tell him anything? Tell him what's going to happen? Or would you blow his tiny fucking little mind? I mean, would it you, just absolutely, do his head Honestly, in? fucking, there is absolutely no way as that 16-year-old would I think that I'd be now sat here talk, talking to arguably the rest of the, the world's greatest <laughs> restaurant critic. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Keep it going. But, you know, yeah, yeah. But there's no way that, I like, if you said that to a seat, there's absolutely no way. And I... And I still don't believe it now, and I still can't quite fathom how it's happened. And, I, and, and that we've got to this point with brilliant, and it is all down to the people that I've surrounded myself with. I've been so lucky, and it does come back from being at school and being sociable and being surrounding yourself by people that you want to spend time with, and and finding something a bit. I, Jay, I'm the luckiest person. As an 18 year old, I found kitchens and a way of life that I love, and. And if you love it, it's not a job, is it? It's not a, you know, I'm not trying to forge some money to get a mortgage, to find a wife, to settle down, to just, like, I'm doing, I was so lucky I found a way of life that I absolutely loved that I could earn a bit of money out of. And by just saying yes and working really hard at it, and it's, believe it, it's not it's not easy and it's not been easy. They're 100-hour weeks, you know, and they are really taxing and difficult and there's times when I don't see my little man for a week or two because I'm out too so early and not back till so late and all of those sacrifices that you make but they also are counterbalanced by 
the amazing times and the great fun and the I, I don't I have a way of life I haven't got a job and that is so lucky so I would say to my 16 year old self just follow where your heart goes don't don't ever chase money chase fun and knowledge that's what you want I've just had a staggering meal of the food that you've cooked for me, um, and I've enjoyed it incredibly. Um, it's, it, I, I'm not sure whether it's less stressful or more stressful than waiting for the Deliveroo bike to turn up um, and tracking and hoping the takeaway will work. But I got it all done, and that's the thing, because you sent such perfect detail. Um, Tom, I'm, I'm delighted we did this. We, we finally, you know, had a proper chat, didn't we? I, we had glancing yeah. chats for about the past five years. Yeah. All that remains for me is to say, Tom Kerridge, uh, thank you for staying in for lunch for me um, and uh, actually giving me lunch as well. Um, I feel, I've, basically, I feel like I've gone back to my usual role as a restaurant critic. I've been fed. <laughs> I'm a very privileged man. Thank you very much. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me on, Jay. And listen, when it's all over, we'll have lunch properly. We will. It's, we definitely will. It's someone else's gaff. Well, that was all very lovely. Tom talked rather movingly there about getting to work with his hero, Gary Neville, on the hotel and restaurant in Manchester. Well, you can hear the story from the other side when Gary Neville talks about what it was like to work with Tom Kerridge in the episode that I recorded with the former Manchester United and England footballer. Just a few back from this one. It's available wherever you got this podcast. Um, also, one other update. Uh, subsequent to this interview, Tom texted me to tell me that he had actually tried the Eddie Marsan beef roasting method and it had been a total disaster. The beef was ruined. I think this is probably because Tom, being a professional chef, has an oven which is just so much hotter than yours or mine would ever be. If you're interested in trying some of the food that Tom and I ate, it's available from Tom's pub, The Butcher's Tap in Marlow, uh, and all NHS workers are entitled to 50% off if they show a valid ID. Out to Lunch is a Something Else and Jay Rayner production. The music was written, arranged and performed by me, Jay Rayner and Robert Rickenberg. The mix engineer was Josh Gibbs. The assistant producer was Jemima Rathbone. The producers are Selena Ream and Hannah Newton and the executive producer is Darby Doris. Additional production is from Steve Ackerman. Next time, I'm out for lunch in a special episode recorded in New York just before lockdown with comedian and presenter Ramesh Ranganathan. I think it might have been the sort of almost erotic way that I was regarding my dad as he tucked into it, maybe. Sort of like... Sort of showing signs of... Showing signs of so much arousal that they thought that he must be. (laughs) 